Welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast, where the goal is to make finance fun and accessible to everyday Australians, sharing tips and tricks on how people can improve their financial position and have a laugh along the way. The information contained on this podcast is general advice only and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances. Before acting on any of the content you've heard, you should consult your own financial advisor to consider whether that is appropriate for you. Hello, it's Pete Pennicott here, uh, and welcome to the Wealth Collective podcast. It's Monday, the 12th of November, and today I'm joined on the show by financial advisor at Picada, Zach Masters. Hey, how are you going? And also, uh, Daniel Repo, who's a power planner at Picada. Hello, good afternoon. Gentlemen, it's uh, Monday, it's in the afternoon, so I, I imagine feeling a little bit worse for wear after big weekends for you young guys, so what'd you get up to? Uh, I had a pretty quiet one. I went out on the Saturday, um, so... 4 p.m. on a Monday, still still trying to, kind of struggling and feeling a bit tired now, but I'm happy to be back here and getting amongst it, recording another episode. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, I'm the exact same, actually. Just had a few drinks on a Saturday and uh, had a pretty chilled Sunday, so yeah, came for the week. Beautiful. Um, so myself, you know, being a uh, new parent, so pretty boring and just sort of a lot of, a lot of home time and <laughs> yep, quality time life. Yeah. with little Remy, <laughs> so I'm feeling I'm fresh and Ready for our first basketball game back after a little bit of a layoff. So yeah, I'm, nice. not, I'm not looking so forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I was watching over the weekend, which was um, definitely piqued my interest, was the yeah the property market just continues to sort of come under pressure. So auction clearance rates. I think Zach, you were looking at something from that Core Logic sort of published earlier today. Yeah, so in Melbourne um, on the weekend, it was around about the fifty percent mark, or just below that. Uh, for clearance rates this weekend, whereas this time last year, the clearance rates for Melbourne were around 77%. Um, so as you can imagine, that's quite a decent drop. Yeah, it's quite a fall from grace, and it just seems like it definitely is what a buyer's market at the moment, and there's plenty of supply. And I've, you know, I've got some clients that have a little bit spooked to a holding sort of decent investment um, property portfolios. Uh, but hopefully, yeah, I was definitely sort of speaking to a few clients over the weekend who are looking for their first homes. And also homes for their their children as well. So just people looking to enter the market. So, you know, what is crisis for one person is you know, hopefully opportunity for others. Mm. And you were saying that you know some signs are saying that it could get potentially worse before it gets better. Yeah. So a few of the economists are you know, are out there, and economists are you know, remarkably good at getting things wrong. So I'd sort of preface that, but you know, saying it could drop as much by thirty to forty percent. So. Yeah, a little bit nerve-wracking for people who have just entered the market and really sort of committed, but yeah, um, these things sort of go through cycles. So I don't think there's anything to be worried about long-term and we're all hoping for a soft landing because, you know, a good property market's good for the economy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but 30%, 40% wiped off the, the value of your homes. Not a quite, not a good scary. thought to go to bed with. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so on today's show, we sort of, we did get a text in for a couple of uh, questions last weekend. Um, so... You know, one of the questions was, why should you see a financial planner? Uh, so what we're going to cover off is some common misconceptions about financial planning and who's it for and how to get started and how much do you need? Um, and also, you know, just working out how do you find a good financial planner? Uh, and we're going to obviously be a little bit biased um, in the room, <laughs> but yeah, I, hopefully we can sort of uh, have a, you know, lodge a balanced argument for what people should be looking for, even if it's a not sort of coming to Picard. Uh, also, you know, volatility is back in a big way. So in terms of catching up with what some strategies are that you can implement in your own sort of investment portfolio to manage through these volatile times. So uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with, you know, why you should see a financial planner.
All right, welcome back. So, talking about why you should see a financial planner. So, Daniel, you, you're you're new to the industry and sort of um, relatively new to financial planning exposure as a whole. So, talk to us about what you're thinking of what you've sort of picked up in your uh, last you know, few months. Yeah, that's right. So, started working for Picada around eighteen months ago. When I first came here, my um, perception of what a financial advisor is and what they do to what that's now changed to now. Um, I first thought that it was just mainly around investments and investment for retirements and things like that, whereas there's a lot more that actually goes into a financial strategy. Um, that's just basic things like the advice and knowing what their client's goals are, where they want to go, where they are now. Um, and, yeah, just, just bring the whole timeline in, into into yeah the, the view of things. And I, I think guess. that... Um... Yeah, as you mentioned there, Pete, you're probably better to touch on. Uh, this is the there's probably been a big trend in the industry towards goal based strategies and mm. and things like that that you might want to touch on. Yeah, and I think yeah that that's really at the heart of what we do at Picada, where it's it's not just about portfolio management. Like for us, financial planning is more than just numbers. You really need to get to the heart of what's driving the person and. You know, it's that why about why you're sort of trying to sort of build financial security or why you're doing this portfolio this way um, and what's it sort of there to, to provide for. So, you know, we can get a sort of a bit lost with, yeah, this investment is very sexy, this looks good on my super, like how much to put in there. But really, we need to understand where you're trying to get to ultimately because otherwise yeah. you really don't know what the best strategy is to get you there. Um, and, yeah, there's there's the perfect financial solution to everything and there's also the, the right solution. Uh, and it's about getting balance between both of them. Yeah, correct. And that's, um, that's a good point too. And then it's looking at what would you say the main reasons are for why people should see them? Um, um, Daniel touched on a, a few there. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where you get a bit of objectivity. So someone sort of looking at it from it with a different lens. And even myself, like, you know, I could have a crack at doing my own tax return, but it's nice to get a, another professional sort of third party, someone removed from the situation to look at it and go, hey, have you thought of this? Maybe you could do it this way. Because sometimes when you get a little bit close to the problem, um, you get a bit blinded by the solutions and um, a little bit myopic and going, oh, you're consumed by this is the way that I think it should be done because that's how I've always done it, as opposed to sort of opening up sort of the, uh, the ideas and going, hey, I could look at this problem a little bit differently. Yeah, and I think you touched on a good point there is that, um, you know, most of the strategies that we do here, you can Google them and, and find find out what to do yourself. But it's um, finding someone that has the, the, you know, is an expert in the, in the matter and has the resources to do it a lot quicker and hopefully, you know, maybe better than what you might be able to implement it yourself. Yeah, and look, it's not, it's not heart surgery. So it's one of those things where if you're prepared to put the time in, the research, the effort, the energy, you can Google all these strategies. You can go sort of have a look at all the legislation, what are the rules, how can I best construct it? Um, but ultimately, you know, are you going to get value for your money? Like, you know, a lot of people are very good at their occupation. So yeah. we sort of suggest, you know, it's a good investment of your resources to allocate that to someone else to go, hey, you're brilliant at this. You focus on helping me develop my financial strategy, understand my goals and where I'm trying to get to and design a plan for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll go do what I'm really good at, whether it be, you know, if you're sort of on the tools, you know, doing carpentry or whether you're sort of going, yeah, no, I'm really good, I'm a medical practitioner or whatever it might be that's your profession, go focus on that and, you know, invest your time and energy in sort of improving that. 
and hand over to a professional as well um, on your personal finances because yeah, it's a big, big deal. So we want to make sure you're making the most of it. Yeah, that's right. Um, the way I, I try and explain it is um, when you go to the gym, you go see a personal trainer or a PT um, to get that best advice on a training program, things like that. So it's kind of the same concept when it comes to a financial advice strategy because um, you may know, you may search your own things, but if you go see a professional about it, I think you'll get much better out. And that's a really good example because I remember when when I used to go to the gym, so obviously it's, it's, it's been a while, but um, I used to go around there, I was there for a, an hour or two, um, and I'm just sort of mucking around, move work, you know, lifting a few weights here and <laughs> yeah. there. I'm feeling good about myself, wondering why I'm not sort of looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's because I'm sort of not doing it with a hell of a lot of purpose or a lot of mm. strategy behind it. Um, and that is the magic of sort of you know, getting a professional or a financial planner or a good financial planner to actually give you some strategy and go, hey, it's not an overnight success thing. It's a sort yeah. of it's mm. a formula that you apply over a sort of a period of time and stick to, and much like a you know, a gym plan regimen or sort of training yeah. plan. Results happen if you sort of stick to the plan. Mm. Yeah. So where should people be looking for a good financial planner? And we might be a bit biased in, in yeah, here. So as well. like you know, um, probably you know. If you sort of get on Google and search for bacarda.com.au, you know, there's some <laughs> good guys there. But um, ultimately, you can just search on the internet and if you don't have any connections. But I'd sort of look more close to home and go, hey, are there any people in your network, your family, friends that are financially successful, even colleagues as well who, right. you know, yeah. <clears throat> financial, you know, your financial circumstance shouldn't really be too taboo a subject that you can't talk about um, with people. But if you know people that are really successful... I'd reach out to them and go, hey, do you mind if I sort of sit down and ask you, like, how have you sort of gone about arranging your finances? Is there, is there anyone you recommend I shouldn't be speaking to? Because um, I know for a fact, like, most of our sort of clients that come in, we don't do sort of a hell of a lot of you know, external market or anything, and mm-hmm. most of them come by way of referral because it is a, it's a trusted relationship. Um, and if they, they know, you know they've done a good job for someone you know, then it's highly likely that that's sort of going to be repeatable when you go and see them as well. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you guys have any other ideas about how you'd go about finding a planner. There is the yeah, I, I think um, looking at trusted professionals in your network as well. So uh, common ones could be maybe you know you've seen a really good mortgage broker when you've you've bought a house, and they might um, you know know a financial planner or even an accountant or someone like that um, that you, you already trust and have a relationship with. You go you know um, is there someone that you can introduce me to that might be able to help me? Yeah. Um, with the financial planning side of things, did you have anything else to add there, Dan? Um, not really. It's it's yeah, it's just mainly people in your circle, so family, friends, and people that you go see. Essentially, that's probably the, the best place to start. Yeah, and and the other thing is like you know when you're going and doing it, don't feel like you have to sort of um, you know, settle down with the first financial planner you meet ever. Yeah, like, right. you know, it's a, it is a it's a long term fit that you need to sort of get along and it needs to be someone you're happy to come back and sort of and trust and sort of meet with regularly so yeah. relationships important so you know if you're not feeling that that vibe at the start i'd suggest sort of going and meeting a couple initially mm-hmm. to make sure you sort of you're feeling and you'll know when you're sort of you know sitting across for someone and go yeah i can see myself having a long-term relationship here because that's what it is like financial planning is not transactional mm-hmm. it is a sort of a relationship game that builds over time yeah um so that'd be the thing of yeah don't sort of you know don't just go with the first financial planner you meet necessarily. And I think um, most financial planners, I know we do, most of their initial meetings are fee and obligation free as well. Yeah, uh, like we do a discovery session and most financial planners are the same because, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to know whether you can help someone yet. So 
Um, it's that meet and greet, sort of have a bit of a chat about how they sort of run their business, how they charge. Um, and that's what a discovery session should be about is really you finding out more about the financial advisor, their business, how they operate, what sort of things they specialize in. And it needs to be right for you. Um, right. Not every financial advisor is right for everyone. Um, so you've got to find a business and an, an advisor that fits. Um, and then also for them to find out a little bit about you because also, you know, not every client's right for every financial advisor. And, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we don't want to be too picky, but at the same time, you want to sort of be dealing with people that you're the right fit for because otherwise yeah. there's going to sort of be, you know, tension and resentment at some point down the track, yeah. much like a personal relationship, you know. Um, yeah, you guys are, you know, well and truly settled, but, you know, and I like myself, but when I was, you know, a younger, younger gentleman, you know, I had some interesting relationships that now I'm glad <laughs> to see the sort of they're in the rear vision mirror. So, yeah. um, but that's, you know, much the I same. I won't go into any more questions yeah. about that. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, and then other other common misconceptions that we should be sort of covering off on. So, like, how much do I need to get started? Do financial advisors only deal with millionaires, billionaires and trillionaires or? Yeah, that's probably the most common one that we get in is that, you know, the common misconception that I don't have enough money to get started. Yeah. And, you know, if you're earning an income and you've got some surplus money or even if you're struggling to get that surplus money and want to talk to someone about how to go about budgeting and cash flow management and things like that, um, it's never too early to start. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of financial planners out there and the, each financial planner might specialise in a different area. Yeah. Um, but they're more often than not, there'll be one that will be able to help you um, with whatever personal situation you're currently in. Um, but, yeah, that's it's never too early to, to get started and the best thing is to just get started. Yeah, and there's a lot of affordable options because there's the you can go from the, the lower-cost transactional robo-advice style mm. right up to the holistic, you know, full-service um yeah, relationship financial advice. So, yeah, there is something to fit everyone. Just get started and sort of find out. Like, you don't know if you don't ask. And I think that's part of the, the problem where people get a bit too nervous about asking because they feel, like, embarrassed about their, their circumstances or whether they've got enough, you know. And I, I can't imagine that anyone would ever come into a, a meeting with any financial advisor worth their salt um, and walk out feeling sort of um, like they're not ready. Um, yeah, and that's the thing I think it's like... Um you know, when you're going to see a doctor and you're more than happy to let them know your medical history and that type of thing, finance doesn't have to be taboo yeah, um, exactly. subject and it's just making sure that you find someone that you're comfortable talking about it with Yeah, um, because, yeah, a lot more likely often than not, the financial plan has probably already seen your scenario. It's nothing out of the ordinary too oh. much for them as well. Absolutely. Like, you know, I can't imagine I'm seeing too many things that surprise me sort of after doing this for years, but, mm. yeah. We're all sort of, no one's perfect when it comes to finances. So I know I sort of made some errors back in my younger years and will continue to do so moving forward. But the main thing is sort of as long as you've got a long-term plan and you're, um, you're happy to sort of keep working on it, well, yeah, that's what financial advice is about. It's a living, breathing strategy. It's not something that's you do once and forget about and put it in the sort of bottom drawer. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's good. And then the other one sort of quickly before we wrap up on this one is the you know, ASIC have a advisor register as well. You should be checking that. Yeah, because if your advisor's not on there, they're not they're not licensed to provide financial advice. And that's yeah. probably a, a red flag right <laughs> there. Red flag. And also you can see if they've sort of had any problems in the past or sort of where they're licensed through, because that's another um, thing and probably a topic yeah. for another day about licensing and how to know what who your financial advisor is related to. But um, yeah, sort of I think we'll wrap it up there and take a quick break because I'm feeling a little bit parched. And um, yeah, we'll be back after this with sort of talking about managing portfolios through volatile times.
All right, welcome back. So we're back now. We're talking about something near and dear, close to my heart, about managing portfolios in volatile times. So definitely in the last couple of months, we've seen, well, most share market returns wipe back to where they were about six to seven months ago. So um, yeah, definitely an interesting time to sort of be, uh, you know, be in and around investment. So guys, what any ideas or suggestions for our, our readers out there about how they can manage their portfolios in volatile times? Uh, so probably my first one would be um, don't get stressed or too worried about it and change the strategy. Um, so often or well, sometimes behavioral economics will say that people will sell when they see the market going down or something like that, when the opposite is probably the better um, strategy a lot of the time. Um, so if you're, you know, you've know, you got a strategy put in place or you're doing a regular savings plan or something like that where you're contributing money on an ongoing basis, um, stopping it or taking money out when the market goes down is often you know, probably one of the worst things you could do. Yeah, you don't want to, definitely don't want to have bought high in the last couple of months and then sell <laughs> low right now. That's uh, counterintuitive to making money. Yeah, exactly. So my first kind of bit of advice would be the, to stick with the plan. So yeah. don't get phased too much by day-to-day movements. Yeah. Um, investing is you know, a long-term yeah. strategy thing. No, I love that. I love the stick yeah. to the plan. Like you've referred back to why you started. So mm. what was the what was the strategy? What was the initial investment thesis? And I'm positive it wasn't invest for a period of X amount of months until things get a bit bumpy and then sell. That's generally not a good um, investment strategy. So you probably went into your investment strategy with a long-term goal of going, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to build over several years, decades, um, months, years, whatever it is. Mm. It should be a long-term plan because if you're thinking short-term, that's speculating. It's not investing, if yeah. you ask me. Yeah. Um, anything you're doing, Daniel, sort of with your portfolio? or? Um... Um, well, just touching on what Zach said, everyone tries to buy at the trough and sell at the top. Um, isn't, that whatever, isn't that what we should do, like buy at the bottom? <laughs> that's what we should do. But like Zach said, um, we all have long-term goals and objectives. And um, if you get short-sighted and you try and, try and time the market, you're going to lose long-term. Um, so that's probably an, another key thing to touch on, um, just to stick with your plan and, yeah, just focus on that long-term goal. Yeah, and I think that in the short term, there's a lot of noise around. So if you're sort of on your scrolling down your Facebook feed or sort of news.com or wherever you get your news, it's on those days where the market's down, it's, you know, the biggest drop or billions of dollars wiped off blood bar. Yeah, like <laughs> billions of dollars wiped off the market is not I such see. a big deal. Like I, I had to laugh at one of the things the other day where I was like, oh, my God, you know, we've markets gone back to where they were in July. I'm like, yeah. well, what month? Are hang on, we're October. You know, like, hang on. Yeah, we're, we're investing for years and we're talking about markets going back several months. So, mm. um, and, you know, not to make light of it, it does hurt. Like I, I don't like waking up in the morning and sort of, you know, as sad as it is, the first thing I do is open up my sort of watch list of the US markets and go, what's my portfolio done and what's happening in our clients' portfolios? And, you know, I don't like seeing a sea of red. I'd much rather see grain. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, it shouldn't be a cause for panic. Um, so, yeah, and that's where if you can sort of have a big picture view of going what's happening and what was the initial plan, I think that sort of noise you can start to block out and refocus your energy and effort elsewhere and perhaps look at going maybe this is an opportunity to sort of buy some more of something. And, yeah, and is there things that you're doing, um, you know, in your own portfolio or in clients' portfolio in regards to asset allocation in times like this or 
Um, yeah, look, for us, it's really like asset allocation is the, the cornerstone and the sort of the foundations for how we build the portfolio. So once you know your plan, your strategy and know your risk profile and your the asset allocation should form the base of how you sort of build your portfolio. Um, so there shouldn't be too much happening at the moment, to be honest, because fundamentally we're still seeing reasonable sort of growth. You know, there are risk factors there, but there's always going to be. Um, so it's really putting some, we say this is an opportunity for clients that have cash on the sidelines and mm-hmm. we you know this is the time to put that money to work uh, and have a look and go hey let's sort of dust off that watch list and have a look what are the things we were wanting to buy but we felt maybe the valuations have got a bit stretched price, yeah. yeah and and there are a lot of those that we've been going these are really high quality businesses we love the story we love management we love the outlook for the business we just can't justify the price yeah well now's the time to go hey there might be some opportunities to add these to the portfolio um I think that's actually quite exciting. So, mm. you know, crisis should equal opportunity. Um, and, you know, I, we're not sort of, you know, campaigning to have everyone fully invested all the time. You should have some reserves there to make, take advantage of these opportunities. Um, so, and then the other one for, like, for clients in pension phase. So, you know, I've got a sort of a fair, you know, mm. chunk of my client base that sits in sort of pension phase within their portfolios. Can you explain pension phase to a few? Um, so it's, it's, you know, ultimately where we all want to get to where our investment portfolios are funding our lifestyle. So, mm. um, and it may be that you're working part time or you've sort of retired completely or for some clients just taking a career break, but we sort of turn the tap on your investment portfolio and let it pay you a fortnightly or a monthly salary instead of you actually going to work and doing the same. Yeah. Um, so for those clients that actually don't need the pension payments, we're sort of, you know, put them on pause and wait a little bit and just write it out. And so if you've got other cash there, use your cash. So don't, never, you, know, you never want to be a forced seller of an asset. And that's the key mm-hmm. of going, if you structure your portfolio correctly, layer it so you've got sort of cash, you've got your fixed income, your turn deposits, your defensive assets to draw down on. You shouldn't be forced to sell your really high quality growth assets like your shares, like your property in a market that's not ideal. So, you know, I wouldn't want to be selling my property urgently at the moment if, if property prices are down 20%. Same principle applies with shares. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you're sort of seeing, Zach, or you, any tips for people? Well, I think just what I initially touched on a couple of months ago, we were listening to Morgan Housel, who's a um, kind of behavioral economics expert from the US who's written a few books. Um, on the topic, and he said the first rule of compounding is to not unnecessarily disrupt it. Yeah. And um, that's probably the biggest thing is that what we all want is that compound interest. So over time, um, you know, that to work, and that's that's probably the most important thing is to not disrupt that by stopping what you're doing or taking the money out. Um, he also said that good investing is not about what you know, it's about how you behave. Yeah. Um, so sometimes the best or the most, you know, people who know the most on the topic um, can sometimes get their emotions in the way. Yeah. Um, and then not do as well as those who just stick to the plan. And- yeah. I don't know who said this quote, but it's sort of, it's coming to me now. It's like, good investing is boring. Yeah. Uh, it might have been George Soros or someone like that. But yeah, it is. Yeah. It is really a thing of going, the magic happens by a lot of the time doing nothing and just letting letting your sort of your portfolio grow. Because yeah. what was your initial investment thesis? Refer back to that. And let it do, let it do its work, because um, yeah. transaction costs and generally speaking, most human beings are terrible at timing. Yes. Yeah. You know? Well, even the best investors in the world say that they can't time it perfectly. Yeah. So who are, you know who are we mere mortals to say, or yeah, sort exactly. of um, the average person to go, yeah, cool, I'm going to try and time it and pick the time to go yeah. in and out. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely one as well. And, and another small one, which is not a massive sort of change, but it might be just a 
for those people at home thinking about, oh, what are the, the things that I can do in my own portfolio is like dividend reinvestment plans are quite common for people um, who sort of you know, just want to have a really set and forget strategy of, you know, the bank, pay, I've got some bank shares, they pay me a dividend every six months or whatever the shares might be. Turn those dividend reinvestment plans off and let the let the cash come in and go. Hey, what what do I want to buy with this? So instead of just blindly buying the same businesses you hold already, maybe have a look and go. Oh, I'm going to turn it off, and when the cash comes in, I'll let that pool to a certain amount and whatever your investment size is, and go. Hey, that, this is what I want to buy at the moment because it may not be the the companies that you sort of already hold. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and it's not going to make massive, but it's really sort of putting a bit more thought and a bit more purpose behind your investment strategy. Um, so, anything else, guys, before we sort of wrap up? Yeah, I think one thing to touch on as well is um, investor perception. So, well, us, us being you know investors for the last 10, 10 years plus, we've all experienced massive downturns in the market. So, whenever there is a downturn, we should all know: don't panic, don't sell, don't do what everyone's doing on the news on the media just stick by your gut and stick by your your plan essentially yeah and, and it's easier said than done so it is. i still uh, have some uh, very um dark dark, dark memories, memories of that, sort of uh, you know being a financial advisor through the global financial crisis yeah. so uh and also having a margin loan person at that time <laughs> so um yeah it, it is tough to rein in those emotions but mm. yeah perhaps that's when you reach out to a professional or um, and go, hey, does this make sense? Because ultimately, you know, it's a long-term game, so don't yeah. sort of try and get caught up with it. But these emotions you're feeling are normal. Like, yeah. Now, yeah. you would be not human if you didn't sort of feel something when you see, you know, massive red in your portfolio. Yeah, um, but, yeah, that's the sort of thing I'd, I'd have a look at. And if you haven't actually started and you haven't seen a downturn, because a lot of young investors, well, luckily and unfortunately at the same time, is mm. they haven't seen a a big pullback. We've only had very short pullbacks followed by sort of growth again. Yeah. So, you know, this is the time if you if you haven't got all your money fully invested, maybe start dollar cost averaging some funds in. So drip feeding parts of your cash portfolio or allocating part of your fortnightly salary or your monthly yeah. salary and buying buying into the market during these periods because this is, this is how you sort of profit long-term of being disciplined when everyone else is panicking. Yeah, correct. Um, no, so that's awesome. So we might just leave it there. And um, I think in the next episode of um, the Wealth Collective podcast, we've got a, a reader question about we've got a client who's just come into a big tax return for the first time and what to do with it. Um, yeah, I'm quite bit, a common one. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, fit for them. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit envious because I, I don't have that big tax return going in, more like tax to pay. So um, but we look forward to that. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please sort of follow us on your favourite podcast uh, podcast service i know we're sort of on spotify google podcasts and um a few other places as well and if you really really like it we'd love five stars so um look forward to speaking to you and sort of hearing from everyone uh, soon thanks for your time thanks for tuning into the wealth collective podcast you can get in touch with us and send any questions to connect at picarda.com.au or send us a message on facebook or twitter if you have enjoyed this then please subscribe and five star us on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast service Until next time, live well and be prosperous.